0: 9, the Hill, WCHL, and the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media. Present Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. Sports Focus, dedicated to in-depth examination of issues of overriding importance in the sports world. Each week, we'll discuss problems and look for solutions in professional, collegiate, and amateur sports. From Carol Hall on the Carolina campus, here's your host, UNC journalism professor, Charlie Tuggle. Welcome to Sports Focus. The topic today, the gradual
1: return of sports following a two-month hiatus because of the coronavirus. Our guest, Grace Rayner, a writer for The Athletic and a UNC alum. So Grace, May 20th, the NCAA Council approves football and basketball to come back on campus for voluntary team activities. What type of voluntary team activities?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that these are going to kind of look like the voluntary workouts that we see in the summertime as as teams are getting ready to ease back into that strength and conditioning program in June, obviously before the the season starts and they go into that fall camp period in August. So um, this is definitely a step towards, you know, maybe we're looking at trying to return to a little sense of normalcy. I I still think there's a ton of questions that that college football and college sports need to answer, Um, but they are allowed to have these voluntary workouts starting June 1st. And then I believe there's also a waiver that's gonna allow them to have eight hours of virtual activities a week, continuing through June 30th as well.
1: Right, so there is a big caveat here, a big if, Uh, There are a lot of questions to answer, as you said, and we'll get into that in a second. But the big caveat is if conferences and states allow it, because not every different states are taking different approaches, different conferences are taking different approaches.
2: For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, if you, I think the ACC is is a really good example of that. I mean, this is a conference as you know, that, that covers a lot of a lot of the South, but you've got Syracuse up in New York. You have BC up in Massachusetts. I mean, the ACC is really stretching the entire East Coast. And, and as as you know, you know New York's guidelines are not the same as South Carolina's, which are not the same as Florida's. So I do think that um, it, it's a really interesting kind of what do you do? I mean, how do you handle all these different states, and where do we go from here? As you said.
1: All right, so none of this happens in a vacuum. Uh, When things close down, it was kind of a domino effect, and I think we're starting to see the the reverse domino effect. Uh, So uh, let's look at pro sports just for a second to kind of lay the groundwork. So NASCAR opens back up uh, the previous weekend, 6.32 million viewers. I mean, you know, uh, that's 38% higher than the race just before the shutdown. The Skins game on NBC 2.35 million viewers UFC on ESPN 4 hour event and still average 1.15 million for all of those 4 hours 1.5 during the during the prime hour so people are hungry for sports
2: for sure i mean i think that people are watching anything and everything they can get in the in the form of live sports whether it be Hole, whether it be you know really any sort of programming that that we can get our hands on. I mean, obviously sports is just a a huge part of society, and I think that that's part of the reason why the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, obviously obviously it wasn't live sports, but it was uh, a sporting event that that kind of gave us a a release from society, and that's what sports do is they're distraction and they make us happy. So yeah, the, the demand certainly seems there, and it seems like people are are craving athletics more than ever right now. Yeah,
1: this past weekend, I binge-watched The Last Dance. So uh, ESPN made it possible to watch all 10 episodes. I I didn't sit there for all 10, but I saw a good portion of, uh, what's that, 10 hours worth of programming. I Mm -hmm. saw a good good portion of that. So uh, I'm an example of people who just want to see sports, who want to get back to some degree of normalcy. Uh, It won't be, you know, even the sports that I mentioned, the Darlington race, no fans in the stands. You know, I'm, I'm watching and I think, you know, it's not that big a deal because the cars, you know, the, that, that noise, is. you don't hear the fans anyway over, over the, uh, the sound of the cars. Golf, you know, you can, you can do golf without people in the stands. Football, though, football without people in the stands feels really weird.
2: It does feel really weird, especially these stadiums are so massive. I mean, I cover Clemson on a full time in, in in Clemson Stadium, which is you know not not the biggest in in, in the south by any stretch, it still holds you know more than eighty thousand people you 've got a stadium like Alabama that holds more than a hundred thousand people so yeah football is seeing seeing a football stadium without fans is something that I haven't really been able to visualize what that might feel like or what that might look like because we're not there yet. Um, But certainly it is, it is a possibility. It's a possibility that some of these stadiums could be in limited capacity. I know Ohio state's athletic director was talking about that. Maybe they have, you know, anywhere between 20 and 40,000 people instead of the full hall. Um, But yeah, these football stadiums without stands is really, or excuse me, without fans is, is really just unprecedented for us.
1: There, there are two ways, though, I thought about looking at that. You know, When a team is getting ready to travel to Death Valley, let's say, and they want to recreate uh, the noise that, the, that you know, their players are going to have to face, they, they pipe in. So you could always pipe in crowd noise and what have you. And the, from a financial standpoint, fans in the stands is not the big driver. It's television money. So could you do it? Well, sure you could. I mean, it wouldn't be ideal, but it it could work
2: for sure. Yeah, it's certainly not ideal, but yeah, you're right. The the TV distribution and the money that these schools are getting from networks. I mean, you think about it too. If you have no fans in the, in the stands, that means you know your your TV ratings are going to be multiplied. Who knows how much higher than they usually are? You know, even for the teams that are playing in in prime time and are used to these huge TV ratings. I mean, imagine if you put Alabama LSU on primetime television with no fans, those ratings are going to be extremely high. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think on average, these schools are getting about 25%, I believe of their revenue from tickets. So like you said, it's, it's not as big as some of the other things, but I I don't know. I think this, these are all questions that, that ADs are answering every day that network executives, um, you know, even coaches to a certain extent are involved in all this to just kind of see, okay, how how might this work?
1: Sports Focus,
0: we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back
1: to Sports Focus. We're talking about the restart of sports in the country, maybe even on college campuses. And we're talking with Grace Rayner, who writes for The Athletic. So, Grace, uh, right now, the council, NC2A council, has said football and men's and women's basketball. We'll get into why men's and women's basketball in a minute. Football, though, is the big driver. Without football, you basically don't have an athletics program. So for everything else to fly, you're probably going to have to do something with football. But the word is that other sports could follow shortly other fall sports could follow in terms of, okay, now you're allowed back on campus. You're allowed to start getting ready for, uh, for sports.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that this is all just every single day. It's been, you know, something, it, it's been new scenarios that, that these teams and these, and the NCAA needs to look at and kind of Who can come back? How many people can come back? What sports do we want to come have back? And so I think the NCAA said the status of those other sports are going to be determined with an electronic vote at another time. Um, But you're right. I mean, football is the, the heart and soul of an athletic department's finances. I mean, we've seen athletic departments have to slash other sports in the middle of this pandemic. I know Furman just slashed its baseball and lacrosse team the other day I mean, if if you're, if you don't have football money coming in, especially at some of these mid-major schools, some of these smaller schools, um, it's extremely difficult to stay afloat financially.
1: Now, there are some uh, some provisions that are in place here. And uh, the USA Today article, I thought, was re- especially useful in terms of laying out some of the particulars uh, because, you know, the devil is in the details. So because there might not be fans in the stands that uh, the NC2A rule of minimum attendance, they've waived that. Uh, you know, you're not going to have that problem at Clemson or even at Carolina or or Duke or some of these other schools, but uh, some of the mid-majors, some of the smaller schools, they had to make sure they had a minimum of 15,000 uh, actual or paid uh, in the stands. And, and so now how can you expect that when you're saying, no, don't have people in the stands? So they've waived that rule.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts to, to all of this. Like you said, a school like Clemson or a school like North Carolina, you're right. I mean, basically, I think any power five school is not going to have a problem navigating the the, the the finances. of, Or I shouldn't say is not going to have a problem, but it's is probably going to be okay navigating the finances of it. But, yeah, these smaller schools, they rely on getting their money from the experience, from, you know, boosters, ticket sales, all, all that good stuff. They, they don't have the TV money that a lot of these huge schools do. I mean, it's just there's a ton of moving parts every single day.
1: One other moving part is typically schools are required to play a certain percentage of games against d1 opponents or again in football against fbs opponents that's being waived so that opens it up to i think a a real possibility of a regional approach to the return of football and maybe maybe other fall sports maybe all sports uh, for the coming year or so can you see a situation in which Carolina plays State and Duke and App and Western and uh, uh, ECU, uh, and it's very much a regional sort of uh, schedule for the coming season.
2: Yeah, I know a lot of people have kind of talked about that and have talked about you know swapping non-conference opponents for more regional things. I mean, I, I, from the Clemson side, I will say – What I know about Clemson and and Clemson's schedule, who they travel to Notre Dame, you know, which is obviously not regional, they have not made any changes to their schedule right now. Um, they're, They're kind of looking at it in terms of, okay, it's still May, we still have, you know, three months until football season starts, we don't really know where this thing is going, there's just too many moving parts right now um but Clemson I know has not made any accommodations to its schedule but I think it's an interesting question. I mean, do you like you said, do you swap out some of these long road trips that are going to require planes and you know multiple nights in hotel rooms and all that all that kind of stuff for you know, hey, you know, you could hop on a bus <laughs> and and play a team locally. So, I don't know. I think it I think it's an interesting question that right now we just don't know the answer to. I mean, you look at Clemson's non-conference schedule, and three out of the four of them are already going to be played at Clemson. The only one that they're not playing at home is that Notre Dame game. So right now, I don't get the sense that that schedules are being tinkered with, but we're kind of in unprecedented times, so I don't know that I would be completely stunned if it was at least a conversation.
1: All right. So there there was a, a meeting between some of the conference commissioners and the vice president of the U.S., actually, uh, two, three for some, some weeks to go. And the decision then was there will be no football unless there are students back on campus. Well, two things about that. Uh, schools are starting to develop plans to let students back on campus, including Carolina. Uh, and no, f- when they said no football, uh, you know, I asked uh, Bubba Cunningham, the athletics director at UNC, for clarification, and, and I think they meant no football game with students so this this makes sense is june 1st let them start to come back and start to get ready and everything so that by the time school opens they've had a month of preparation
2: yeah i mean i think that that is that's kind of where we are with this right now right is yeah i mean first of all there's a lot of things at play here and i think the biggest thing is i don't know how the ncaa and these conferences would recover if students were not allowed on campus, but these unpaid football players were, you know, I think that that's just, that's just something that you can't come back from. And, and I understand completely why, you know, the, the optics of saying, Hey, a lot of these unpaid football players, it's safe enough for them to come back and to play for our university and to make us a ton of money, but it's not safe enough for their fellow classmates to come back is, is a tough one to overcome. So, I think that that's a huge part of this. But yeah, you're looking at schools that even Clemson just this week had says, okay, we're gonna start opening in three phases. And I think, I think a lot of these schools are, are gonna maybe take a similar approach of, okay, first we're gonna bring back uh, limited employees and, and then we're gonna start easing our way back into this, making sure that cases are going down, making sure that the advice that we're getting from experts is still in keeping with it being appropriate to bring back students. And then you're seeing some schools like Notre Dame, South Carolina, both of them have said, okay, we're going to cancel our fall break um, and, and just have the students stay all the way up through Thanksgiving, but then not come back after Thanksgiving cause, so that they can reduce the you know, back and forth nature of, of maybe bringing a spread back to campus if these kids are traveling. So it's just a ton of different things, but yeah, I think that, you know, with, without Regular students there, it raises a lot of questions about well, if regular students are not here, why are these unpaid football players here?
1: Sports Focus, we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking with athletic writer Grace Rayner, uh, a UNC alum, and we're talking about the Potential, uh, likely it looks like, return of, of college sports. Grace, a couple of other caveats uh, down in the details, and these aren't all, they haven't figured out all the details, but they have figured out some. So schools have been historically required to spend a certain percentage on scholarships. They've waived that now for three years. So this is, this is having a long-term effect on that. Uh, but the gender equity rules are not changing. I think that's super important because when they announced the first three sports, football, there is no women's equivalent to football, men's basketball and women's basketball. Can you imagine if they had said football and men's basketball? You could have made an argument for that because those are the two big money makers. But because of gender equity issues, you can't leave out women's basketball if you'd say men's basketball.
2: Yeah, I think that's an important piece of that. And, and you know, look, a lot of things have changed with all of this and, and the parameters that the NCAA has set forth. But, yeah, they were very clear in this release on May 20th, gender equity requirements and rules governing non-renewal cancellation of aid remain in effect.
1: All right. And uh, testing. Testing right there there's going to have to be some kind of testing one thing that's occurred to me and I, I would assume it's occurred to other people football a lot of players are now having those plexiglass face shields anyway well hey why not have all of them do that uh but whether they do that or not there there's going to be testing and how different ones handle it uh, apparently fsu has already tested a bunch of its players and and uh, they've already started to you know move in the direction of these a voluntary workout. So, so there is definitely momentum afoot.
2: For sure. Yeah. I think testing is going to be a really important part of this. I mean, if you, you, I'm, you can't, it's, it's hard to imagine what this would look like if we know we're playing football games and and one player tests positive. I mean, this, this disease is so contagious and you know, that would just be really devastating. So I think testing is going to be a large part of it. I know that Clemson as they are bringing back, their campus and they're kind of reopening. They're looking at temperature scans. They're looking at masks. They're looking at you know, places on campus for these kids to um, quarantine if they need to. They're looking at contracting spaces off campus if, if someone gets infected. I mean, there's just so many different things that are going into this, but yeah, I think testing is going to be at the heart and soul of this. If, if, if we are gonna play football, if we are gonna play sports, um, testing I think is gonna have to be at, at the center of, of making sure this is still safe.
1: All right, we have just a minute left. Uh, the the examples that I gave at the top, the Skins game, NASCAR, UFC, two of those are very different than the third one, right? UFC is is close body contact. I mean, spit and blood and all that kind of stuff. flying. That's the closest one to, I think, football, where you're talking four hours of physical body-to-body contact. So it, how football goes, I think, is going to say how – everything else goes 30 seconds
2: yeah I mean the football team there's there's tons of people on the field at at one given time you know it's not just two people there's sweat and a shared ball and and a lot of contact so yeah I mean football to me has the potential to spread the most germs so I think that they're going to be extremely careful and extremely cognizant of of what that looks like and how the football teams are adapting
1: That does it for this edition of Sports Focus. Thanks to our guest, Grace Rayner. Thanks also to producer Laura Field. And as always, thanks to you for listening.
0: Cheers. Thanks to Richard Southall, Mark Nagel, and Deborah Southall at the College Sport Research Institute at the University of South Carolina for their research and guidance and for access to CSRI's International Network of Sources. Sports Focus is a service of UNC's Hussman School of Journalism and Media.